0: Star Wars 7x7, episode 797. Today we are finishing up our look at Star Wars Year-by-Year year of Visual History, updated and expanded edition, and we've got The Clone Wars and Beyond, and Star Wars A New Era Begins, those two segments of the book, which cover 2006 through 2016 on tap, including a little tidbit about Rogue One. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Alvin Johnson with the Five of First Legion, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and I won't make you wait in suspense for the detail, but the thing about Rogue One that is dropped in the book Star Wars Year by Year, A Visual History Updated and Expanded, is that it talks about the year 2016 as though it has already been completed, and it lists Rogue One as being the movie that depicts the first victory of the Rebel Alliance. That noise you may hear is me flipping pages in the background here. I will actually read it for you. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It says, The big screen debut of the first ever Star Wars standalone film brings a fresh new vision to the galaxy. Gareth Edwards' distinct visual style, marked by raw kinetic camera work, tells the grounded military tale of the Rebel Alliance's first victory and the theft of the Death Star plans as described in the opening crawl of A New Hope. And it lists the characters, or it lists the actors in the film, does not list anybody that we are not prepared for yet. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. The fact that Saw Gerrera particularly represents sort of an extremist version of a rebel cell and that he's sort of off-putting to other rebellious folks, that brings to mind the whole idea of these different cells coming together to form an alliance for this particular mission. And the idea that, hey, if you have a rebel alliance, it might actually be an alliance of different rebel cells. It was one of those ideas that was almost sitting in plain sight, for lack of a better way of putting it, and yet here it is brought together in Rogue One in a very exciting fashion, at least it certainly looks exciting from the trailers that we've seen so far, and this particular snippet makes it clear that we haven't had an alliance up until this point, that all of these cells have been operating more or less independently, and even though there are elements that are interacting with each other, like the fact that Bail Organa and his set of people have interacted with the Lothal cell on Star Wars Rebels. That doesn't necessarily constitute the alliance that we know and love from the original trilogy. Okay, so I've started this by looking at the absolute last thing in the book. And so I guess we'll just work backwards, shall we? And talk about a few other things that were pretty cool in this. And there's no end of stuff that you could point to, quite honestly. There's just a ton of delights in this thing. But things that particularly jumped out for me... Included a mention of the transition of the legendary EU, as it's referred to here, you know, the EU becoming legends, and the fact that the first story in the new canon that was released was not actually John Jackson Miller's A New Dawn novel in September, and it wasn't even the Blade Squadron stories that were published in Star Wars Insider it was, in fact, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, and this is a story that was an unproduced arc of the Clone Wars cartoon series that was translated into comic books in the last year of the Dark Horse License. Now, I know that thing had flitted across my radar in the past, so I guess now it's going to have to get a little bit higher up on the chain. But anyway, there you go, Star Wars, Son of Dathomir. And there's also an unproduced bit of stuff from The Clone Wars. I believe it's called Crystal Crisis on Utapu, Utapau. Not sure how to pronounce that planet, quite honestly. And I guess it's fully voiced by the actors from The Clone Wars, but the rendering of the digital animation is not complete. But that is apparently available online as well. And of course, Star Wars Rebels gets its share of time in the book as well. There's a great quote from Dave Filoni. He says, To work in the era I grew up with is tremendously exciting because the work of Ralph Macquarie is open to us in a way that we could never exploit in Clone Wars. And I don't know about you, but I've heard Macquarie's work being referenced more and more in the last few years. It seems like this is a touchstone that people are returning back to. And it's not like... They don't have George Lucas available. I mean, George Lucas visited the set of Rogue One for Pete's sake, and he met with Gareth Edwards in his office and everything. So it's not like they don't have access to the Master, even though the Master has departed from the official company. But they seem to be still going back into the archives and looking at all these original things for inspiration, which I find rather remarkable. They're looking backward in order to move forward. So it really is making a strong point of grounding the expanding Star Wars galaxy in stuff that we already know and love and appreciate. Even if McQuarrie's art didn't make it to the screen in some iterations, there's still a tremendous amount of inspiration to be found there. And it still all ends up tying back into Star Wars in one way or another. There's a quote in here from George Lucas in regard to the passing of Ralph McQuarrie, and he said that any time he couldn't describe in words what he wanted to do with Star Wars, he would just point to one of Ralph's paintings and say, do it like this. And that tells you right there that for all the credit that George Lucas gets for being a visionary and well-deserved credit, mind you, well-deserved, that Ralph Macquarie is probably one of the most unsung heroes in the Star Wars history and is possibly getting his due finally in a more public way than he ever had before. There's also coverage, of course, of the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney, and there's a particular mention about Kathleen Kennedy signing on as co-chair of Lucasfilm, and Pablo Hidalgo, who wrote this section, says that it's an unmistakable sign that George Lucas is making clear his plans to retire and step down from the company he founded. And also, it's a strong indication that Lucasfilm will once again become an active production studio. And over the summer, Kennedy begins assembling the department heads who will serve as the production team essential for new Star Wars films, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the signs were there. Here in hindsight, we get to see that the signs were there all the way back to June 2012 that we were going to get new Star Wars content beyond anything we had imagined possible. Okay, continuing backwards, just a few more things to mention. The Clone Wars cartoon series, of course, gets talked about in detail, and I was impressed with the way that Pablo dealt with the Clone Wars movie, and if you remember that one, that is the most poorly reviewed of any of the Star Wars movies out on Rotten Tomatoes, something like 18% or something. And here's how it's addressed in here. Uh, The Clone Wars movie, the first animated Star Wars feature, arrives in theaters. A prelude to the forthcoming television series, the movie includes several voices supplied by actors from the live-action films, including Samuel L. Jackson and Christopher Lee. Although the movie does excite young fans, the intended target audience, it has trouble connecting with older reviewers. And there are a couple of moments like this in Pablo's sections where he addresses things that were controversial, if you will, with the fan base and does it in a very delicate and nuanced way. And I just wanted to say that I was particularly impressed with the way that he handled that. And then he goes on to write about the Star Wars The Clone Wars cartoon series, that the series is a ratings hit with the target demographic of young Star Wars fans. Audience numbers for kids aged 2 to 11 are up 125% from the same time slot in 2007. So yeah, definitive statement that The Clone Wars was not intended for the likes of you and I. However, I would argue that it has certainly developed to be intended more to welcome audience members like you and I into the fold. And yet at the same time, I would say, there's no way in heck I would be showing my two-year-old some of these episodes. Some brutal stuff happens in these Clone Wars episodes. Good heavens. And the whole Clone Wars thing got started because Lucas says, I felt there were a lot more Star Wars stories left to tell. I was eager to start telling some of them through animation. And this, of course, is different from all the stuff that was happening in the expanded universe. These are stories that he particularly wanted to tell. And yeah, he wasn't necessarily done after Revenge of the Sith and completing the prequel trilogy, even though he said it was quite an achievement just to have ...finished it and to be still alive and for the world to still be in one piece at the time. And one last thing I'll flag for you. Honestly, I could probably do podcasts on this book for the rest of the year... But uh, Pablo Hidalgo is a known Transformers fan, and I'm not surprised to have seen Transformers make an appearance in here. And yeah, sure, he does flag the fact that ILM was nominated for an Academy Award for their work on Transformers, but he (laughs) he does make a point of getting a Transformers name check in there as well. Anyway, that's going to do it for our look at year-by-year visual history. It is really worth your time and attention. Just some amazing and beautiful stuff released in this thing. And I've got a trivia question for you, and I'm going to share that with you. But we've got a little business to attend to first. We'll be back in a moment. Alright, here's that trivia question for you. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. Last time we asked you, how many original trilogy characters appear in The Force Awakens? And I meant appear as in their characters appear. I'm not talking about the Force back where you just hear their voices. I mean, actually appear in the thing. And the answer is eight. And today's question is to see if you can name the eight. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go into hiding in the desert, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a crazy old hermit. It's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars and x We hope you love it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers,